Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Episode 109 and feeling fine. Hello. Caroline. You're so, oh, got him. You're so weird. Got him. I love you so much, but you're so weird. Hey, listeners. Uh, just want to come at you with a nice note of gratitude. Aw. There have been a couple of you, because again, like 19 you're of you listen. 19. Uh, I know. The show's growing. growing. It is growing. You said seven. So fast. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. We almost tripled our numbers. <laughs> Wait, didn't someone write in there like, um, I thought you really were serious. We're serious. Yeah, yeah. We that were would, not. I mean, you know, hey, you never There's know. There's a handful also, more than that's that. That's fine. 19. If you only have seven listeners, that's fine. Oh, I know. I would do it if... If it was truly 19 of you listening, I would 100% do this show. It would almost make it more fun. I know. Because I would just be like, oh, man, like, what's Michelle thinking this week? Like, yeah. What's we Sarah thinking this week? Name our listeners. Yeah, what's my Becky name? thinking? Like, Ew, what's... I just spit. What happened? Why did you do that? That's like gross. a lot of spit. Um, my moment of gratitude, my note of gratitude that you just um, just derailed. I was just trying to be I'm sweet sorry, and you... loving and have my emotions as an Enneagram 4. I was just trying to, like, be in the world. Stop and being just me. This is your favorite bit. <laughs> also, have you been to this podcast? Um. I just want to say thanks to everybody who listens. Like this is the podcast to us, I think is our, I wish it was more communicative back and forth. Like I wish podcasting just had this where. A chat. Like if we could have like a live chat, like minority report style that was like. Yeah. You just scroll through and I could always be scrolling through it. And just the the ability of someone was like listening on Spotify while they're cooking dinner and they could just like tap their earbud and just go, hey, Caroline, just so you know, like I'm also someone who's afraid of sidewalks and then like, you know, it goes away. Uh, Yeah. There are some like time paradoxes there that right. like we would have to work through but no but just to, to be able to have that communication but anyway my my point is that many of you do reach out yes of the 19 of you like six of you often reach out which is a third of our audience <laughs> uh but you send notes whether you're a waymer and you're on our slack or whether you're on our email list and you reply to an email or whether you're just a stranger and you don't subscribe to like any of our things but you some, somehow found this podcast and you'll send us an email it's the best it's great also instagram dms i'm never in there but i know that people show up there we as love well. it so much we love also, we record these sometimes, you know, a week or two in advance, and it's my favorite thing when people leave, like, no context oh, messages yeah, yeah. where they're just like, yeah. couldn't agree more on yeah. the toes. And I'm like, what? What do we say about toes? Yeah. I also love we'll get an email from someone, and they'll have thought that, that when they sent that email that we knew what they were thinking. Then yeah. they'll do a follow-up me like, I just I realized just, I completely dove into a whole conversation yes. with you via email. With no context. Yeah. Like, I just wrote podcast as a subject <laughs> line. So that's fun. Anyway, I just wanted to share that so because I, I think so often as creators, mm-hmm. you lose sight of those little moments. Mm-hmm. And those are the little moments to me. Like, it's not the ratings and reviews. It's not the numbers growing in a dashboard of people you just never have conversations with. It is the, like, yeah. and truthfully, honestly, it's the 10 to 15 of you that reach out every week. Yeah. Like, that—that that is really the number of people, and that may surprise some of you because, you know, we have a 1,000 people that actually truly do listen to this podcast a week, which, again, not amazing numbers compared to other things. But for us, that's enough. That's and enough. And it's great, and I love it. Yeah. My friend Nicole sent me a voice note because she was listening to the podcast. Well, give her a shout-out. 
this is a shout out to my friend Nicole. Nice. <laughs> but she was walking in Central Park and she was sending me voice wow. notes. It's fun. And like I could hear the like bustle of the city yeah, behind yeah, yeah. her. Yeah. And I just was like picturing her walking through Central Park listening to our weird ranting. Yeah. And it made me so happy. And yeah, like that that's what that's what you were saying, right? Is like it's those little moments. It's picturing all of you, you know, doing your dishes and listening to us or making dinner, going on a walk. Going on a walk yeah. Working you know, out. All these things. Yeah. All right. We that's the moment of gratitude for this episode. Uh, I had to explain to Caroline how our podcast is structured because we want to give a travel update because we're about to come full-time travelers. And I said, oh, we'll talk about that in the Pramble Tops. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Travel update is not a Pramble Top. And so many of our listeners just recoiled in disgust. They were like, I'm sorry. The Pramble Top is very specific items that you discuss in it. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure Pramble Tops are just like anything we talk about sort of like nonsensical before know? the meat of the episode. And he was like, it is, but it's like do you know how furious? Do you items. know how furious our listeners are right now listening to you just blaspheme? I, I can see the fury on your face. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I just want to apologize to everybody that of Caroline course. does not understand how podcasting I works. I tend to skip some of the production meetings, so I'm not really <laughs> sure how this podcast works. So Pramble Tops are like, you know, you cover up your feet with a duvet or not. Not, to right, find out right, if you're going right, to be right, right. killed in your sleep. Uh, you know. <laughs> Shout out to those of you who heard that episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, the toes. Um, the cinnamon rolls, the update I want to give about cinnamon rolls. Like, those right. are pramble tops. Right. Random things, life updates, uh, you know, therapy journey. Do you not see how life updates, travel updates, feels like it's a little bit life update adjacent? Do you not see that? I mean, I believe Adjacent. I believe they're next door neighbors in a duplex. They have different front doors, though. You don't go through the same front door to talk about both. Yeah, do but you? the complex is called pramble tops. False. Absolutely it's not. It's true. Absolutely you not. You should see the sign. No. Yeah. The jury is just... The neighborhood paid a lot of money to have that beautiful over. new brick sign out front that said Do you hear that? The jury objected. And we are going to sustain their objection and we're going to move forward. So we're going to do Pramble Tops and then we're going to do travel updates. So let's get into both because we're wasting time. Pramble <laughs> topic this week yes. I wanted to bring up. Uh-huh. First of all, for all the cinema rollers out there, those of you who follow me on Instagram, you may have seen it. I did my first ever cinnamon roll twist. Wow. wow, Uh, It's a pretty big deal. You know, you go from cinnamon rolls to twists. It's a real evolution for you. I will say that I normally have a batch of eight cinnamon rolls. Uh I ended up with seven cinnamon twists. So do we think they were probably a little... They were a little large. Large. They ended up a little large. It was an American cinnamon roll. It was very much like (laughs) a Cinnabon style. Cinnabon. Not even close. Like still half the size of those. Um, but my reaction, if you want my reaction here, absolutely uh, do. Mediocre baker reacts to first ever cinnamon <laughs> twist. There's the headline for you. Yeah. Um, they they were a little chewier. Okay. Um, they I, I liked them. They, they looked gorgeous. They looked gorgeous. Great looked on Instagram. Gorgeous. Really great. But I will say, just the like the eating of them. I like a regular cinnamon roll because it's kind of got like the flatter top so it mm-hmm. holds the icing. This is like the icing kind of like falls all over it. But now I'm thinking about like you get it on the sides. Oh, wow. This is a real journey I'm going Did we on. decide they were like a little bit underbaked? No, we did not. The color? No, they always look. The color always looks like that. Mm-hmm. I don't take them to a golden brown because then when you reheat, which I often do because mm-hmm. I don't eat all of them mm-hmm. There's when I make them. There's a reheating calibration. There's a reheating calibration you got to account for. As a mediocre baker, you would know this. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, for those of you... I'm just a mediocre baker spectator. You really are. Yeah. Uh, you're not even a partaker because no. you don't eat gluten. And I only no. make them with gluten because there is not I'm from the outside a gluten-free cinnamon roll that isn't any worth eating. Yeah. So Anyway, that's my update. The cinnamon roll twist. They were fun. I had an enjoyable time. I will probably do them one more time before we leave just because it was fun. Second Pramble Top. Yes. What were we talking about before recording this that we want to bring up? Q-tips. Are you a Q-tipper or are you okay, not so a Q-tipper? Okay, so Jason said, I want to bring up as a Pramble Top, are people Q-tippers? And I had a m- real moment where I was like, wait... 
not everybody Q-tips? Yeah. And you were like, oh, there's some there's some anti-Q-tippers. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to mention that uh, we had to buy some new Q-tips because we ran out because obviously you got to replenish. Yeah. The uh, the shaft of the new Q-tip, so sturdy. We got the sturdiest Q-tip shafts that I've had in quite a long time. Hashtag sturdy shafts. Sturdy Q-tip yeah, shafts. Yeah, does it make a difference? Do you feel? Oh, the experience I'm is just kidding. I'm asking you that ex- knowing that it makes a difference. 10x better. You're doing the twist and you're doing the I'll tug, be honest. And it's not bending. Like, there's no bend. I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't want to brag. But we bought a Q-tip brand like growing, growing up. up. Wow. We, yeah, I don't yeah. want to brag. I don't wow. want to brag. Wow. We <laughs> Really spent, spent the $2. <laughs> yeah, this is how I knew the story of like we were lower class. Like, no, we were middle class. If yeah, you can yeah, afford yeah. Q-tip brand Q-tips, Q-tip brand. Yeah. you're middle class. Yeah. Um, and so then, so then I just didn't know there was other options. So then I had a less sturdy shaft right. as a yeah, Q-tip. Yeah, yeah. And it just folded in I think it was hand. probably when we were trying to be like more eco-friendly. It's like, like a wet the noodle. Band. It was it's just like a, a wet noodle. noodle. And like, how am I supposed to stick that in my hair? You just have to like flip it around your ear and hope that it works. So anyway. <laughs> I'm picturing like a pool noodle. Like, yeah. <laughs> Did I get any wax? Uh, are you a Q-tipper? Yes. Are you not a Q-tipper? Or are you one of these people who uses like a candle to extract the wax? I honestly can't talk about it for that long because it kind of grosses, <laughs> grosses me out. you out? No, like I'm not, like I'm not saying people Don't who do it, it are gross. Yeah, it. yeah, I'm not shaming it. I'm saying it like. It just freaks you out. It just freaks me out. And to put a candle in your ear well, um, you and then what, have it you extract. You know I'm also like a sensation person? So yeah. I'm, I'm, I have this thing where like <laughs> my body is like picturing like what the sensation would feel like to have it like crawl, okay, like the yeah, crawling yeah, out of your ear. And I just feel like, no, don't do that. Do that q-tip or non-q-tip but what, what if, if i was really in a bind you'd you'd candle like if i was desperate i think i might candle when we travel next year that might be a thing that we learn to do do people just do that for fun like it just feels good we have to youtube this no we don't That's we gross. really don't that leads us into wow wow it's a new wow. segment called uh, wow so and what does wow stand for Wame around the world. And I, yeah, yeah, I've been traveling. We're not always going to sing that song. I told you before, I believe it's a P. Diddy song. I don't know. Anyway, Wame Around the World is what we're calling it because, you know, one day we do hope to go around the world. We do, yeah. And next year we'll be traveling and we needed a name for the adventure. We have to. We love naming things. And so. I didn't realize it, but Jason pointed out, you know, we love acronyms at this show. It's yep. W-A-W, wow. wow. <laughs> and you have to say it, you can't say like, wow. You have to say like, wow. 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 And your mouth has to go like, just go ahead and do it at home real quick. I'll pause for a second. Wow. Uh-huh. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I want to know how many people listening to this show were like in their kitchen yeah. by themselves. They looked around. They're like, okay, but where like are the kids? Their, kids their are... partner or spouse, they're like, I don't want to sound weird. Uh, so they're just like mouthing it very silently like, wow. <laughs> so uh wow update so we're gonna do an update for you every week here leading up to our departure date which is as of recording this so it's not going to give you the exact date but it's our exact date 66 days away y'all that's not a lot from going to the airport here in san diego getting on a plane and going to our first destination that is not a lot of time wow Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what did we have we wanted to catch people up on? We're going to do some longer episodes. Uh, that are just giving you the full rundown full of what's travel. been going on. Yeah. But to give you a little update so you're excited, we have booked a few things. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to reveal to you the destinations. We will tell you that one of the accommodations. We'll, we'll reveal them when we're in those locations. Exactly. Yeah. Not so ahead of time for the podcast. We will pro- we will, so you got to follow us on Instagram. We're not on there right now, but ooh, wow. wow. Where are we going to be? <laughs> How many times did we say wow in this episode? Go ahead. So I wanted to let you know, though, Jason could not possibly keep the secret. So no. he wanted to say, 
we have booked a windmill. We are staying in a windmill. We were not will not tell you where that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are staying in a windmill. We're very excited about it. Yeah. There's a couple of like places that we've had our eye on. This was one of the very first like places I found on like the coolest Airbnbs yeah. you can stay in. And I was like, Jason, this is it. I will be honest with you, it is not our style. It no. is not what you would expect from us. No. We typically go for modern, we typically go for industrial. Yeah. This is a straight up windmill. Yeah, I this is one of the things for next year that I am most excited about is to find these incredibly interesting places to stay. So yeah. while I want to see cities and I want to see culture and I want to explore different restaurants and things and walk to castles and all this, I also want to find the windmill Airbnbs of Europe yeah. and stay in them and just really enjoy yeah. the the experience of that that like you'll never have that again well, that's like what it Maybe goes, like goes back time. to like our why for this trip right yeah. is like this year is all about experiencing life the novelty of life experiencing other places and just yeah. things that are so far outside of our comfort zone which we've all been very Comfy. nestled into our comfort zone for the past you know almost two years and so we're just excited to do something different and um live it up and just uh, enjoy that experience soak it in of places we would never stay soak it soak it okay is there anything else i'm allowed to talk about on you the travel you are allowed to you said well you came up with this idea a couple days ago that you wanted to make a trip bucket list oh yeah I which thought i this, thought was a cute idea yeah i thought this would be fun um and i don't know how we would like display it publicly even if we would but we would definitely share it on the podcast of like hey we checked these things off of mm -hmm. our bucket list maybe but opposite to what some folks might make as a bucket list which is like i want to bungee jump off the eiffel tower no interest no. i want to eat a croissant on a cafe overlooking the sea like yeah. that's like a bucket list item yeah and and i don't i don't necessarily care where that is but i want to create like almost like a mundane bucket list yeah like 50 like a, simple items yeah. one that came to me is like a charcuterie picnic in like a public park in like yeah. one of these cities. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just like a little. Just I just think these little experiences that we could look forward to. Mm -hmm. And then also what I also, I, the other reason why this made me think of it was it's going to be really easy to travel a couple different places. Because if you don't know, we're basically going like two and a half weeks in each location, 20 locations next year. It's going to be really easy to go like maybe two or three locations, especially in the beginning. Be like, we're tired. We don't want to do anything. We just want to hunker down and just stay in our place. And go, yeah, but... We have our little bucket list that these things aren't crazy things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's go do a charcuterie in the park. We can do that and that'll get us out of our, we just want to like recoil back in our, our place and like not do anything because we're tired from traveling. Yeah. And I think it's cool because depending on where people live, they can do them too, right? Like, oh, I can do a picnic in my local area. Yeah, that would or, like, be fun. I can do a bike ride around my a park I've never been to before right. or something. And just like get you out of whatever groove you're in or yeah, like the something. mundane. Yeah, something you haven't thought about. So, I liked that idea, Jason. Okay, thank you. Um, Is there anything else I'm allowed to talk about? You said like our little visions that we are casting. Oh, okay. All right. So this is the last part of our wow update. Wow. Uh, one thing we've been chatting about as we've been thinking about where we're going next year and the places we want to go is just, are there any visions that come to mind that you can just so clearly see? Like, I want to be in this experience. Mm -hmm. So go ahead with yours and then I'll go ahead with mine. Okay. My vision I think maybe you've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it's worth repeating. I'm sitting at a picnic table at some local little restaurant in at the foot of the Alps in Switzerland. There's greenery. There's maybe just like 
goats or random animals about. You're doing hand motions like they're above you, just so you know goats <laughs> well, they're just don't like around. fly. I don't okay. know. All right. There, I'm drinking a glass of cold, crisp white wine at this picnic table. Do you table. have a preference? There's, it's that time of year or day where like the sun, there's like a coolness in the air, but the sun is on me. Okay, sure. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's all I want. That's my vision. Okay, great. I'll catch it. doesn't even have to be Switzerland. I mean, it could be, but just like mountains yeah. and green. A fjord. If you could have a fjord right, nearby. Right, could be fjord. Could be Norway. So that's your vision. It's my vision. My vision is I want, and this is very not me normally. Yeah. I want the, in your head when you think of European winter wonderland experience. So but giant. But you want small village small winter, village winter wonderland because some people think of yeah. like the christmas markets in vienna or whatever and it's like big city big rockefeller center but yeah. the european equivalent i want, christmas I, want a, tree. I want a big tree you do want a big tree i want some snow covered but things. maybe but you want cobblestones i would love some cobblestones yeah. with just like a nice frost on all their a edges frosty cobblestone all the businesses in this village of whatever size hopefully smaller have decorated and all their lights are twinkling mm. And I'm just walking through, and there's like a little hot chocolate there's stand. There's fires, fireplaces inside everywhere. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. You this just is walk my in, vision. You're like, oh, there's hey, a fire. This is my vision. I'm um, yes anding. No, you're kind of taking it over. I don't need to go inside and see anyone's <laughs> fireplace. Okay, you creep. You little fireplace creeper. Hey, uh, we're from America. You got any fireplaces <laughs> going on here? <laughs> I can't you little fireplace creeper. Yeah. You're just like popping in. You're like, ah, is there a fireplace going? <laughs> Ma'am. Please leave our store. I just chopped this wood. You want <laughs> Ma'am, you're in a bank, so you need to leave. Ma'am, do you have a deposit yeah. to make? This is a Wells Fargo branch <laughs> in Austria. Please leave. Uh, okay, those are our, our little dreams. <laughs> I'm crying. Yeah, it's great. Oh, uh, okay, so that's our travel update. Next week, we'll uh, do an update with some other things And for then you. I just wrote down, oh shit, it's feeling real. Yeah, <laughs> Except yeah. for I spelled real R-E-E-L. <laughs> We got to reel it in, you know? You got to reel it in. 66 days. Boy, we have a lot to do. Yeah, we'll keep you up to date. All right, let's All right. get into the actual topic of the episode. Actual topic of the episode. All right, you want to tell them about this topic? Uh, yeah, so I, as I do, I have a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with our Wandering Gameplay members, and I tend to look for trends or patterns or things that are coming up a lot. And one that I've seen come up uh, a good amount over the past couple months is the transition from working with clients to running your own business of whatever kind that is. Mm -hmm. So if you're selling digital products or you're starting your own community or maybe you're becoming a coach or you know starting a SaaS app, whatever it is that you're doing, but you're you're trying to get out of the the grind of clients mm -hmm. and it feels like you can never get out of it. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to bring up on our show, because it, I think it's been something that I've just repeated multiple times, this is when you usually know, like, oh, this is striking a chord with people, is that there just is no perfect plan or timeline to make this transition. Right. And, and it's different for every single person. And I think that if you can accept that, if you're a person who is at this inflection point in your business where you can feel that the client work is just draining you. It's not what you want to be doing. You have this vision for something else. Maybe it's creeping on fireplaces, <laughs> but you just don't know why it's taking so long, quote unquote. Which or means you, you think you're doing it wrong or there's right. something that you haven't figured out yet that other people have figured out and you feel like, oh, if you can just hunt around and fi find it, that you'll find it. And the truth is there is no 
secret magical blueprint out there that you have to just stumble upon. It's the one that you have to create for yourself. Yeah. And I think what we want to do is impart some of our own experience on you in this episode to share what worked for us. Right. And then also I want to share some of the things that I've seen from the folks that I talk with one-on-one in Wandering Aimfully who have made this transition and what some of those recurring things that I've heard from them have worked for them. So that ultimately you can make a decision to kind of craft your own path in a way that works for you. And like we, Jason and I really try to hit this home in basically everything that we teach on the podcast or in coaching sessions, you know, a lot of, I feel like business coaches out there, they want to sell you this idea that they have a definitive answer for you because it's easier to sell you that, right? It's like, oh, if you know that your audience is people who are looking for clarity, the best thing you could possibly promise them is 100% clarity and certainty. Yeah. And we recognize that it would be easier for us to tell you that if you just follow this blueprint, it'll definitely work. But that would be a lie because yeah. the truth is there is no one-size-fits-all solution to business and there is no one-size-fits-all solution to life because everybody wants different things yeah and everybody comes from different places and has different values and has different obstacles and you know it would be disingenuous disingenuous for us to sit here and say oh this is a hundred percent the way that you should transition to digital products if that's what you want because it worked for us like that that would be silly yeah and and i think the the thing that none of us see when we look at these people who are making these promises is them acknowledging like, oh, if you're in this situation that's unlike mine, it's going to work perfectly. It's like, no, they don't acknowledge that. They just gloss it over that whatever the situation is, you can still do it. You can still work through it. You can get up earlier. You can, you know, whatever. So anyway, let's let's not harp on what people aren't doing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the things that we think can be helpful if someone wants to make this transition and they're at this turning point or feel like they're getting close to this turning point. And we also want to just share that we've been there. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing that I remember what it was like when I had a client business with a design company of two people. And I just really felt drawn to this other project I wanted to work on, which ended up being my I Wear Shirt project. But I had to figure out how to take that leap on a, a big unknown. Like I was going to a wild idea that just had no idea if it would work out. You might just be going to like, I just want to make an online course about branding. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been doing branding for 10 years and I know branding really well. I can teach my process. People ask me about my process. I've built maybe an audience or I'm starting to. How can I make that transition? There's a lot of things to think about in there. Yeah. Well, you used a word there that I think is a good starting point, which is the word leap. Because I think for some people, it is, this is how everyone's different, right? So for some people, maybe the idea of taking a big leap, meaning I just need to say I'm done with clients and get into this, you know, I'm ready to make this total big pivot. Yeah. That feels like a really big leap, right? Like let's, say, go, let's go metaphors. That is jumping between buildings. You're Jason Bourne yeah, jumping between buildings. Between buildings. Yes. That's a big leap. I've got a metaphor for all three here. <laughs> but some people are like, I need to feel motivated by, like I need it to feel that big yeah. in order to really go all in on digital products. Great. Know yourself and know that. Yeah. I think for the majority of people, that's a little bit of a dangerous approach, yep. um, which we can talk about ways to kind of mitigate that risk. But that that is an approach, and I'm not here to say that that's the wrong way to do it. Um, you could do it kind of more baby steps. Like yep. I always – the visual I picture with this one is always like instead of leaping far across like a rapid pond, like a yep. river that has all these dangerous rapids – you find these little like stepping stones. That's exactly what I was going to say. And you hop from stone to stone to stone until you get to the other side. So in that metaphor, you're sort of 
testing the waters. You're doing a workshop here. You're seeing how that goes. Yep. You're building your audience. Then maybe you're taking a month off of digital products to go back to your clients to build up more runway. You're sort of doing it in a very titrated, very slow and steady way. However, the downside of that one is you're going to feel stretched thin for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to feel like you've got these two polar ends that are pulling you in opposite directions. Yeah. And that's not right for everyone either. Yeah. And then there, I think there's a third option too, which is you feel like you have to have your secondary business that isn't client stuff fully working so that the transition for you is like transitioning across a threshold in your house between between two rooms. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just like a oh, like tiny little step. Like mm -hmm. I just took a one inch step and now I'm into the other one because I've set this all up completely. And I, I think- Can you give me an example of that? What you're saying like, you build up the revenue of your product business so high that exactly. it can replace your clients. Exactly. And then you just take the step and you go, I'm not taking clients anymore. Exactly. Got it. And that's actually what I did in my first transition. Mm -hmm. So I was working as a designer for a, a large company. It was men's professional tennis, the ATP. I was making good money as a designer. I had literally no expenses. I had all the privileges in the world so I could do whatever I wanted. And then I had this design company. I want to start with a friend. And essentially I was like, well, I don't need to like, do the whole savings thing and then make the jump because I like this job and it's totally fine. So I could just work on this at nighttime and I'm excited. I'm kind of excited by both. Mm -hmm. I wasn't drained necessarily by the nine to five. I was towards the end, but not. Plus you had that early twenties energy, man. Ugh. I had that early twenties energy. You could just do whatever None you wanted. None of us knew how well we had it And back so then. there was a, a six month period where I was really, I was working at night, juggling the side project. Again, like I had all the time in the world. So, so many advantages that I just want to acknowledge. But I got to a point where I had the design company, I had my nine to five job and they were both making about the same amount of money for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it was at that moment where I was like, okay, I can take the leap now. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the step, that's no leap. That mm -hmm. is the, a little step across the threshold, put in my two weeks, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. And by that point I was so ready. I was so checked out of my full-time mm -hmm. job because my side project job had taken over and it was really fun. Mm -hmm. But th that I think is for some people, that's the, the only way that's going to feel comfortable to do it. And mm -hmm. I think what we're trying to say in this little part of this is it's okay if you fall into any one of those three buckets. Yes. One of them is not better than the other. One of them is not right. One of them is not wrong. And they all have their purposes, but mm -hmm. they all are related to your personal risk tolerance. That's what I was going to say. Like the factors I think that will help you decide what is the right move for you are a couple of things. The first one being risk tolerance. So you know, arguably that big leap one where I'm fully cutting off my clients before I actually have the revenue, that's the riskiest of them all, right? Because yeah. you're kind of like, it's like jump and the net will appear kind of a, of well, a thing. Well, the building. You got to jump from one building to another. Right. I'm that's mixing metaphors. Yeah, don't do that. Do you, have you ever, again, have you been on this podcast before? I have. Yeah, okay. twice I've been a guest. The metaphors are loose at best. Thank you. <laughs> I, love a, I love a good loose metaphor. Um, and a sturdy Q-tip shaft. <laughs> so it's like you have to... Um, know that about yourself and know if you're the type of person who is like, I know that I will scramble to make this work and I'm just ready to not feel pulled in a million different directions. I'm ready to go all in. Maybe that's your type of personality. Yeah. Um, but if you're someone who maybe you have people who depend on you, those tiny, what do you refer to them flesh as? Bags. Tiny flesh bags. Little flesh bags that apparently around. need food or like, yeah. nah, I don't know. Stuff. You throw a saltine, you frisbee a saltine at them and they'll that's eat right. it. That's yeah. right. Um, you know, you Those are children, by the way. Those are children. Yeah. We're referring to children. Yeah. We're laughing because we don't, do not have children and we're just pretending that we don't know what they need or, you know, how to refer to them specifically as like human beings. But we know they're human beings and we know that they need yeah. food and they have a lot of needs and we're going to be great parents. So don't anyone worry about it. Don't come for us. Does anybody need any parenting advice real quick? <laughs> 
put your kids' shoes on opposite, let them learn the hard way. You got to know what left and right is. Boom. You're welcome. Also, learn to voice your needs of what is discomfort. Because mm. yeah. you, you, have you ever put your shoes on the wrong feet? It's so uncomfortable. No, I'm not dumb. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, okay. Where, do we, where, where we go was next? I going? I think we were just talking about risk acknowledge tolerance. your risk tolerance, be okay with whatever your risk tolerance is, and don't let anybody external to you shame your risk tolerance mm-hmm. so that you know what you need mm-hmm. and, and just write that down. Be like, it's be okay for me in that. Yeah. if I am a stepping stone-er or if I'm a thresholder, mm-hmm. just a small step, or, or if, if I'm, I'm a leaper, if I'm, if I'm a Jason Bourne, you know? Right. Or Judy Bourne. <laughs> Judy. Judy Bourne. Um, what's next? The one thing I do want to say is regardless of, you know, what type of approach that you're going to use, I do think the most important thing is that you need to be able to test out and validate a little bit these product ideas, even if you're a leaper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the most important thing you need to know is that in order to make, uh, earn a living as a product-based business, you need an audience. Yeah. So... Building an audience takes time. And so I do think it's especially risky if you're going to be a leaper going, I have a zero. I, my audience is at zero. Yeah. That's a little bit you're putting time pressure on yourself. So regardless of if you are going to do like the big leap, I still think when you when you have client income coming in, you need to test the waters on what is it like to send consistent content to an audience? What is it like to try to grow an email list? What does it feel like to do a workshop a paid yep. workshop yep. Um, or build a course, build a mini course, like start or whatever. small, yeah. you know? Yeah. Whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. And, and I think that there, this is where you really get into a gray area, right? Because it's, well, how much is enough? Like how, how much of an audience do I need to have? How much time do I need to spend on this? And, and I think this again is another risk tolerance thing. And this is why when you read sales pages from people who want to help you transition from clients to products, they don't go into all this nuance because it starts to muddy up in your brain what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And that's going to confuse <laughs> you and you're not going to make a purchase and they've lost you as their lifetime value they want to increase. But I think the other part of this that's really important to think about is, well, I'm the type of person who, I'm speaking about me specifically, I do like some certainty, but I'm also okay with a little bit of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So I would probably go into this knowing like, okay, if I just had like 50 people on an email list and maybe I was sending on content on Instagram, I probably wouldn't want to do that, but I probably would do that because it's the easiest way to reach people. And maybe I'm you know, writing a weekly newsletter and I, and I have a good clear idea of what I want to do, you know, in like a certain arena. Like I want to, let's just use my sponsorships, for example. Like I want to help people learn how to get sponsorships for their blog or their podcast or their YouTube channel. I know what I'm doing and I know what I need to talk about to do that. I can already see that some people are signing up. I'm ready to make the transition, right? But I think that there are some people who might be in the camp of, well, you would rather like have a product built do a workshop to sell that product, you know, get an email list that's maybe like 100 people. That, that would feel more comfortable to you and, and seeing more traction while still working with clients before you make the transition. So again, it's just another area of risk tolerance to think about as you're doing this. Yeah. I still think that trying to give yourself a little test drive is the best way to go in terms of like I, what I wouldn't do is build it up in your mind to be like, I'm going to do 
this oh i remembered my train of thought could you tell i lost it yeah i was, I was wondering trying where to, you went i was trying to find it and i did yeah i was like if i just say words i'll find it okay um but just to finish that thought i do think like don't spend you know eight months building a an 800 course and you've never sold a product before right like do a mini course do a something just to get your for as they say the first pancake right it's like you how the first pancake is always like a bad one it's always a bad one get your first pancake out of the as way someone who makes a lot of pancakes you know this right you know me. <laughs> I'm a pancaker. You know what they say about you. Always, always in the in kitchen. The kitchen. <laughs> Just pancaking. <laughs> That's Carol. She's always in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Not doing a damn thing. Also, my first pancake is usually pretty good. So well, it's, it's no big not deal. the point of it. But I understand. Yeah, go ahead. The train of thought that I did eventually catch on the handle of, and yeah. now we're well on our yeah. way, is one exercise that we do with our coaching members on our Unsolved Businesses coaching session where we do a case study of a Waymer's business is a section that we call Offer Math. Yeah. And this is where I would recommend this exercise to everyone. And what we mean by Offer Math is set a goal. It's like this is my, we call it your your mm number, yeah. your minimum monthly magic number. What amount of money total in your business are you trying to make in order to live your life? Yeah. If that number is $3,000 a month, Really start to break that number down and go, okay, I'm doing clients right now. Um, you know, it, I have five clients at this number a month. What if I if I brought that down to three clients a month? Yeah. Um, and let's say each client, let's just say each client is $500. Okay. Sure. So I go from $2,500 in clients to $1,500 in clients because I'm trying to bring it from five down to three. Well, now... I that means I'm trying to make up the fifteen hundred dollars extra in in product money. Yep. What does that look like? Yeah. Let's say I do a mini course and that's you know a hundred dollars. A hundred well yeah, a mini course I would say is like fifty bucks. Fifty let's call that fifty bucks. Yeah. To to make fifteen hundred dollars oh boy with a fifty dollar course. How, how are you gonna do here? That is three hundred sales. There you go. Great job. To be honest, I did just like a quick <laughs> and then I was like, let's just say a number and let's yeah, guess. Yeah. That's 300 sales. Yeah. Okay, so if you're like, oh, does that feel doable? And you're like, oh, that doesn't feel doable with right, my- Right, I have 100 people on my I have 100 people on my email list. Yeah. That's not doable right now. Okay, so now let's then work it backwards. Like, okay, what does feel doable? Okay, maybe 50 sales. 50 sales of a $50 course that's $250. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 50 sales. That's 2,500. 50 sales- <laughs> Oh, boy. Of a $50 course. It's 2,500. 2500 Yeah. Well, then that's not right. Hold on. When I said 1500 Yeah. At $50. We're doing the bad math again. This is where we had the 4,000 <laughs> arguments couple. What's 1500 divided by $50? 30. 30. Okay. So you said 300 before. 300. There we go. Do you go. see where I told Woo! you that? Do you see where I was like, I just did the three yeah. and then I guessed the zeros it and was it was wrong. wrong. And you wrong. just, was I so confident? I just checked out. You did? Yeah. You don't check out. I know, but I checked out because I was thinking about my next thought. I was about to totally. All right, let's come back around. Come back around. Stop, stop, stop. I was about to totally change Judy's business based on these numbers. That's okay, Judy. Well, let's fix Judy up real quick now that everyone got to go on that adventure. My point is. We would edit that out, but that's fun for everyone. I'm just going to be honest. Doing math in a podcast format (laughs) is not good. We should have it written down if we want to do math. The point I'm trying to make is break down your monthly minimum number by revenue stream so yeah. that you can see is this feasible what do i need to hit for my first product launch and then how many clients can i decrease and you kind of you start to do this very delicate mixture to try to make the math work 
And that gives you something to aim for. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. And it also just gives you a reality check of, oh, I have no audience right now and I'm trying to make up $1,500 in revenue. Um, where's that going to come from? Right. Like it can't come out of thin air. It has to come from an audience that you build up. I can't. I'm just thinking of everyone who listening through that. When we first said mess. 300, they were like, no. <laughs> well, that's like the 4,000 arguments episode. when we talked about our relationship. Don't worry, guys, we got ago. there. Yeah, it's Don't fine. Worry. Also, People. I would like to just pat ourselves on the back. When oh. we do the offer math in our coaching sessions, we check it. It's, it's checked. And it's also on screen on slides where yeah. we've, we've like written it down. We've and, used a calculator. Yeah. We didn't just talk about it out loud with people, yeah. you know, just, you know, just to make us a little bit more official. Okay. What's I next? love how you congratulated me. So like when I did it though, I I was like 300 and you were like, good job. And yeah. everyone was like, no. They're like, no. <laughs> it's a bad job. Sorry. Sorry, um, sweet sweetness. Sweet, 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 sweet. So that is an important thing. Um, also, oh, this is something you wanted to talk about was assessing your clients. Yes. So I, I like to. Putting them in buckets. I like to think of just like a, this is a broad strokes exercise, but I think it's really helpful. So if you think of your clients that fall into three buckets of client type. Mm -hmm. So the first bucket would be this client's lovely. I love working with this client. This client gives me great feedback. They're always on time. They pay on time. Just a great client. I'm calling them great, good, and bad. The good client is they're, they're fine. They're not the most fun product. Like I don't love the project when I'm working on it, but they're a good client. They pay on time. Like I don't have any problems. They're just like right in the middle. I'm not, they're not my dream client. I'm not excited about it, but right. they don't drain me. Right. Then you have your shitty clients. <laughs> then you have the ones that are horrible at communication. They send you emails at 6 p.m. on Fridays. They take up 80% They're of always your asking for things. And, and everyone who has ever worked with clients has had these clients. Yeah. So the point that I wanted to make is maybe give yourself permission as you're making this transition to just remove the shitty clients to start. So whatever it is that you're doing, like maybe your goal is, hey, in three months, I want to start working on my side business, whatever it is. And I want to get to this place where I feel like if I got rid of the crappy client, I could still have money coming in from my great and good clients, but I would at least have the space and the mental freedom to not have to think about the crappy client. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for so many client business owners, what they don't realize is it's not clients that are the bad part of a client business. It's the bad clients that are the bad part. Mm -hmm. The good clients, you actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. You like the work. You, you're you're looking forward to doing the work. You look forward to their feedback because it's always good. But also because bad clients because bad clients have this habit of taking up 80% of your resources, your time and your energy, yeah. you start to paint the entire experience just based on that. Exactly. And and I think that that is a part of the transition from clients to whatever it is that you want to work on that's not clients is to give yourself permission of, okay, maybe for me, like I'm a stepping stone person in my journey and I actually want to keep my one really good client with me. Maybe until this thing is like, really rocking and rolling and and maybe even beyond that like maybe i just i'll keep them on forever because they're so communicative they're so gracious i can work on them like five hours a week and that's enough for them and they're providing steady income that's okay mm -hmm. like th this idea that you have to go full-on zero to hero from clients to no clients is a myth and there's no reason why you can't keep on a great or a good client but what you really do have to do is get rid of the crappy clients because they are sucking up precious mental resources that you need to be applying and having toward your other business you're trying to move into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the I think that's a really good point. The last kind of area that we wanted to talk about with this is the financial piece of knowing your own 
runway. And this kind of ties back into the very beginning of like trying to decide what approach you want to take, but, and knowing your risk tolerance, but you know, how much of a financial cushion are you going to need in order to feel comfortable to, let's say, totally make the transition, right? right. Like to, to have that day where you say, I'm no longer taking on clients. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a single person like I was back when I was in my nine to five job, moving to my design job, I had no bills to pay for except for my own stuff. So I didn't have kids. I didn't even have a dog at the time. Like I, there was nothing. I had mm -hmm. no dependencies whatsoever. So for me, I felt really comfortable with like one or two months of expenses saved up. Mm -hmm. And then I could also reduce my expenses quite a lot very easily. Now, if you're not that person and you have a family and you have flesh bags and you have <laughs> fur bags and you have all the bags, you may realize, oh, no, I need six months of, of a runway built up in my savings. And, and I think the thing that we really want to hit on here, too, is you may not need six months of your normal living expenses. You may want to have six months of what we call your mmm expenses, which right. is just like I can if cover we my... had to. Yeah, yeah, I can just cover my rent, my utilities, the groceries every month, and... Everything we we wouldn't else, eat out. We wouldn't right. travel. Yeah. Everything else is is a incidental that I could get rid of for a six month period. It's not a forever thing, but that actually takes my expenses from let's say it's five thousand dollars a month down to twenty five hundred dollars a month, and that's much easier to save that up over time mm -hmm. and know okay, I've got a cushion of six months of bare minimum expenses that I could make this transition out of client work and feel like I don't have to have like the full fledged life that we live all the time. I have the bare minimum to get me through to make the transition. Yeah. And you were saying like, you know, we're not typically, it's not like we want to be out here um, encouraging people to take on credit card debt in order to make that transition. But I do think that a lot of the ways that coaches and people talk about credit card debt is in like a shaming way where it's just, they're not understanding that a lot of people have to float things on credit cards in order to get by. Yeah, And if, as long as you know why you're doing that, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to use credit cards as leverage to make a transition that you know is going to get you to higher ground. Yeah. But the key is you got to have a plan behind it. You got to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm so close to making this transition. I, I know that if I had to, I could put, I don't have the savings, you know, built up, but I know that if I had to, I could put $3,000 on this credit card. I have the limit for that yeah. as an absolute last resort. So I'm going to take, take the leap now because I know that I could do that. Yeah. And I, I think you really have to be honest with yourself of a credit card becomes a point of leverage for things that you need to grow your business or a, a kind of like a fallback or emergency plan for if something goes wrong. Right. So like I think about it just in like a very concrete example of I'm starting my business and I have a ConvertKit account that I want to open up. I mean, granted, like it's probably going to be fairly reasonable, but okay, maybe I put that, whatever it is, $30 a month on that credit card because my business isn't making enough money to pay for that yet. I'm okay with floating that on a credit card for six months. Mm -hmm. But what you don't want to do is go, well, someone just launched this course and it's like a $999 course. I'm going to put that on my credit card. It's like, no, those are the decisions you have to make where if you're in that situation, you've probably already bought a course in that thing. You probably already learned whatever that person's teaching and you're getting kind of caught up in the excitement of whatever they're launching. You don't need it. Mm -hmm. And you want to use your credit card as leverage to pay for the things that are going to actually mm -hmm. move your business forward, not the theoretical... Like real tools. Exactly. Instead of knowledge. Exactly. Because you, almost everybody listening to this podcast already has all the knowledge they need. Mm -hmm. The problem is you haven't 
moved forward with that knowledge because you think the next piece of knowledge mm-hmm. is going to be the one that gives you all the answers. Mm-hmm. And what you've realized, if you look back in your your past history of all the things you've consumed, it's the same thing being said in a different way. Yeah. And you're just excited because the marketing and the sales has swept you up, which and we listen, fall into as well. We get it. Yeah. Like We know that's ironic coming from two coaches, but we always have said we would never want people to like a put our program on a credit card if really i just don't want people to put it on a credit unless card unless you're getting points unless you're <laughs> unless gonna pay it right point. off and getting them credit card points but or b like you know if you're not going to use it and so i i do know like i think people finally are ready to join a program because they want the accountability they want the access they they want people to move the needle forward but it, it is one of those situations of knowing yourself and and remembering that you do have so many of the things that you need already within you it's really about putting it into action and it's really about identifying what's holding you back so that you can take action and and work on those things yeah yeah and i think there's so much nuance here and we just want to kind of pin the tail in this donkey gently because the donkey shouldn't actually have their tail it's a paper donkey yeah is this is your journey This is your life. These are your circumstances. They are all unique to you. And you have to make the decisions based on you, not based on someone presenting a a plan for you that you don't know is going to work for you. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're trying to do through this episode is to help you build your plan, Mm -hmm. your Judy Bourne leap, Mm -hmm. your stepping stoner move across the river, your tiny little walk across the threshold, whatever works for you, coming up with a savings plan, building up a buffer, starting to build your audience ahead of time, all of these things, you can see the fact that they're all different for all different walks of Mm -hmm. life. And that I think is the most important part of this transition that is not the sexy answer. It's not the overnight fix answer, but there is not one of those answers waiting for you. The answer is the plan that you make for yourself. And if I could give anyone a tangible exercise from this episode creep into fireplaces it's to be a fireplace creeper (laughs) it's to sit down for half an hour open up a spreadsheet or a note or anything and ask yourself what would that really look like if i were to make that transition yeah numbers wise what would that look like what does it look like with with x amount of clients what does it look like with x minus five amount of clients um what does it look like with my first 10 workshop sales or my first 10 course sales, you know, like really play with the numbers until you feel like you've put together the puzzle that is feasible and realistic for you to achieve with your life. Um, I know that's going to be a little bit overwhelming at first because it's all possibilities, but just view it, like I said, as a puzzle, um, sit down and write in one little piece of it at a time, erase it, start over, move things around, try things. But the truth is you won't feel motivated to make this transition if you don't set a plan for yourself that you believe you can achieve. Yeah, and be okay with the fact if that plan takes one year, two years, three years, that's okay. Yeah. I think there's so much placed on the urgency of doing things now, in the next 30 days, 90 days, six months, you can change your life. But you may not match up to all those circumstances that it would take to do that. Right. And having the slower pace, you know, we love the snail emoji and the turtle emoji in Wandering Aimfully. The like those are two of our favorites because you decide your pace and a slow pace is a good pace. And we're totally okay with that. Absolutely. All right. That's all the heavy stuff. Let's get into the fun movie stuff. Movies. 
Okay. Uh, okay. First of all, got to give a shout out to Chevelli. Yes. Chevelli is one of our 19 listeners. She also is my JCVD buddy. Um, and if you don't know what JCVD stands for, then you're not a JCVD buddy. Um, but she sent through this article. Through. And it's called Dad Thrillers. And it's this explanation of this genre of movies in the 90s and early 2000s. It's my favorite genre. Which is your favorite genre. Dad Thrillers. Which is just like Harrison Ford has to make phone calls to save his family because some political thing has gone on. <laughs> yes. And there are so many fun things. So I have left a link to it in the show notes of our show. Uh, you can find that article. It is a long, exhaustive, fantastic read with flowcharts, Venn diagrams. But if you, like me, love dad thrillers, you will feel seen. Oh, yes. And you'll also find a whole list of movies that you oh, probably yeah. forgot we, about. I'm going to... Oh, you know what would be fun? Yeah. Download that image and like and like color cross, in the ones that we haven't done. In Notion. We'll cross them off and like do colors and like, you know, segment, check them off, do some things. Oh, it'll be so fun. <laughs> you getting excited? I'm excited. Dad thrillers is the dad genre. Dad thrillers. So we actually didn't watch any dad thrillers this weekend. We didn't, but they're about to come hot and heavy on this list. They are. Uh, so the two movies that we watched are. Sorry, I just had a thought. Do oh, you okay. know what would be really fun? Go ahead. Next year. Um, when we're traveling, it would be fun to add, because obviously we're going to do movie night. Classic movie night, Saturday nights, two movies. It's going to continue to go. But what if we set an intention to watch one movie in the language of this country that we're in? Oh. Isn't that fun? That's fun. That's exciting. Okay. All right. Cool. We're going to do that. We're going to have to write that down, otherwise we'll forget. Yeah. So we watched... Scream three. Uh-huh. We, we got to finish. We got to finish. We got one more. You, you know <laughs> how we go on a tear and then we got to see. Gail Weathers. We got to see what her haircut's going to be. <laughs> Gail had the worst bangs oh in this movie. Oh my gosh. The early 2000s bangs. They were cropped I mean, so tight. I appreciate an edgy. No, it's too mm, edgy. It was, it's it was beyond. so edgy. They were gone. They like, were, like Whoever cut like... them was like, they did the first cut and they went. Oops. It's like a come home and your kid use their safety scissors yes. to cut their bangs. Yes. Scream okay. three. Scream three. And? And Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which yes. is not a classic. It's a new it's movie. It's not a but, classic. It's um, this is just, it's the movie night. It's it the follow-up because you remember we did watch Escape Room one in yes. August. And I remember because it was around my birthday. And um, I think Tournament of Champions wasn't yet available on It was demand, not. It was not. So that's where we are. All right. Let's start with Scream three. But I told you... Are we going to watch Scream 4? Because Yes, we have to. We have to finish. And then the new Scream is going to come out. And we have to watch that at some okay. point. Um, what? <laughs> you know what we wrote down as our notes? Yeah. You don't remember. Oh, no. No, I never do. It's a classic seven flick. Classic seven. This is a seven. <laughs> this on... is a classic Rotten Potato seven. We have our own scale here. If this is your first time listening this far into our podcast, where Rotten Tomatoes is the legit scale, Rotten Potatoes is our scale because Carol loves potatoes. Yeah. Shout so, out to my brother. Yeah. So this is a seven potato out of ten. It's a classic seven. It's just potato. a classic seven. Yeah. 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 It's just also you've I've said it before and I'll say it again. My favorite part about these movies is just guessing who the killer is. It oh is yeah. Every literally time. the the only thing that keeps this movie like a seven and above for me is like guessing who it is. And being wrong at the end. And being wrong. Yeah. It's great. We were wrong this time. We really were. We were wrong. Also, is Scream Gail two, gonna do it in Scream Four? I hope so. Scream two, we got it half right. Yeah. Scream three, totally wrong. Totally wrong. Um and it's just entertaining. Very entertaining. Um, oh, we did notice. We were like, why is Nev Campbell like in substantially less of this movie? Yeah. Um, it was a it was a scheduling thing. Like she was doing like Party of Five and this other movie. She got movie. popular. She got she real got, popular. So she got her time became in demand and they were like, 
we still need you for this movie because you're kind of like the whole thing. And she was like, well, I'm doing this other stuff. And they were like, well, we'll pay yeah. you this amount for only being in this amount of movie. And she was like, okay. And so it shows. Yeah. It shows. Um, also the thing, I don't think we wrote this in the notes. Maybe we did, but we, we forgot to say this last week and I mentioned it afterwards to ask you about it. But we really noticed in Scream 2, there were a lot more people of color. Right. So in the first Scream, I mean, there's literally like nobody. Yeah. In the second Scream, there's a there's a, a lot more for, again, we're talking about a 90s movie here. So like you got to take it with a grain right. of salt. But there, it's the movie starts with people like you, of color. You, like it was very noticeable that they like set an intention to yeah. try and balance the scales a bit. Guess what happened in Scream 3? We totally went backwards. Went backwards. Horribly backwards, honestly. It's like, just interesting to notice because yeah. you're like, okay, was there like just backlash like i don't know i mean it was just it, we, we just think it's important to look back on these eras because i think you can learn a lot about either how far we've come or how far we've not come yeah and you know as we all become more aware of systemic forces that have kept representation down and certain populations oppressed and like i just think it's important to pick up on these things yeah and notice them and because you can't fix something if you don't notice it yeah exactly so um it was just that's just an interesting thing to note. Yeah. As well as oh, what was I going to say about this one? The whole Me Too thread that was in this one. Remember that? That was like oh yeah, like oh, there's a, yeah, there's an entire like um subplot kind of sexual assault subplot I would say. So yeah. that's also a content warning. Yeah. But it is interesting. You don't see it, thankfully. It's not that, but they talk about what it. What I think is really interesting. So when was this movie made? Or 2002, I think. Early early 2000s. But there's this whole subplot of like Hollywood and like Hollywood executives taking advantage of yeah. women, young yeah. actresses. That's like an entire part of the plot. Yeah. Which I think is so interesting because it just goes to show you like this behavior has been a well-known issue for so long. And yeah. we just were like... Yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah, and then like joking about it in the movie, like yeah. just having it be like a point. And it just yeah, you, you watch this, and you're like, oh yeah, like the Me Too movement, like this is like many, many, many decades in the making, and we all know this now, obviously. Of course. But it is just interesting to watch a movie and, and see them talking about, it and be like, uh, yeah, no, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not okay. Um, what was I gonna say about the? Oh, <laughs> we did appreciate Gail. Courtney Cox's character is just like a completely different character in this she is. one. Yeah. She has like this personality that, oh, you know what I also forgot about is what's her name? Parker Posey. What's her name? Posey. Oh, Parker Posey. Is that her name? I think it's Parker Posey. Yeah. We love and hate Parker Posey because she's so over the, over top. the top. She's the Matthew Lillard of but this I movie. I literally can't take my eyes off of her. Yeah. Yeah, she's Matthew Lillard. If you watch Scream 1, Matthew Lillard's character is just over the top. And we talked about, like, he wasn't even cast for this role. He just showed up and they asked him to audition. And then he was over the top and they loved him in it. And he is in the movie. She is the Matthew Lillard of this movie. But, like, I remember watching her in Lost in Space when we were watching that show. And I was like... On Netflix. I was like, she's so annoying. But, like, also, you can't... She's so captivating. Yeah. Like it's entertaining. She, it's, it's so just entertaining. Pure like, she, like I couldn't imagine. Like she definitely made this movie better by being just yeah. absolutely off the wall. Yeah. Um. So that was like an interesting thing that we kept just being like, why is she acting that way? Oh why gosh. is she doing that? Yeah. And then I think the last fun fact to share about Scream Three is uh, what we learned was in the first movie, Courtney Cox and David Arquette had just met, right? In the first one. In the first the, one. I think yeah, that's where they, they met. They just met. Yeah. In the second one, they were, they were dating, dating. Mm-hmm. and in the third one, they were married. Yeah. And I think in the fourth one, they're not. They're divorced. They're not divorced. Oh, are they still together? I think so. Oh really? 
Oh, I thought they were divorced. I think they are still together. Oh, uh, this is news to me. I thought when we were talking we're about this. We're not up like, on our celebrity news. Yeah, our... I'm really not. And normally I don't even care about celebrity relationships, but I just thought with the, the three of the movies and the three parts of their relationship uh, kind of evolving through them. Ooh, sorry. It ended in 2010. Yeah, see? So I think Scream 4 is... Then they're separated. Ooh, we'll find out. You tune in next week. You'll <laughs> hate, find out as we watch Scream 4. I hate 4. how interested I am in I this. I know. <laughs> All right, let's get into Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Okay. So if you have not heard of the Escape Room 2 movies that now exist in this uh, group of movies, the first one I would I would say is the better of the two watches, for sure. Uh, it, if you know anything about Escape Rooms, this is where you go and they're like, hey, like you're in this room and like the seven of you have to figure out the clues to get out of this room. We love a good movie of clues. Love clues. Right, we love clues. Um I think the first one did a much better job of kind of like captivating the escape room experience in a, in a movie and then taking it up a notch. Yes. So the stakes obviously feel wildly different because people die in the movie and you don't die That's in regular the escape rooms, at least of the movie. what I know. Right. Yes. Um, and we did not have the rotten potato scale in action when right. we did that one, but I firmly believe that that one would have been like an eight for you. And then this one. What'd you give it? I gave it a seven. What did I give it? A 6.5. Yeah. So this one to me, it's a little bit over the top. Like it's just trying too hard. Yeah. They have this whole other side plot that does not have to do. I mean, it has loosely to do with the escape rooms, but they had to devote time to building up the side plot, which was time taken away from the rooms. Yeah. Which so is you the, get this arguably over, the best part. Exactly. So you get this overall feeling of like, oh, there's like less time in the rooms. Yeah. And the there's a daughter character in it, and boy, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but yeah. the acting just really bugged me. Not great, not it was great, not great. Yeah, um, the, but I I think I kept it a seven because I was like, you know what, that movie kept my attention. Oh, it did for sure, and it entertained me. Yeah, and I think it's just the power of clues. It's also not a problematic movie in any way. Like it's nice to watch a movie where you're like, I don't have to think about anything. I mean, hopefully we don't look back in ten years and be like, well, look at all the things are wrong. We probably will. Probably will. But it's nice to see different representation. It's nice to see you know just some. A storyline that doesn't have to involve anything of importance, you know, of anything you have to think about. You're just like, okay, are they going to get out of the situation? Mm -hmm. And like, how are they going to get out? And I think that was the missing piece for me. And the first one, you're right along with them. Mm -hmm. And you're like looking in the rooms. You're like, what? Where's the thing? What's this? Mm -hmm. This one, you're like, oh, they're now in this place. And I can't even really see what's going on. And they're going to figure it out. But I don't even have a chance to figure it out. And that was the missing part for me. Like in the first so, one, I felt like I And it's just because they didn't have time. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they, they were didn't doing have this time whole to do that. Subplot that we like, oh, then really it's didn't this, need. Then we find this. Then we find this. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's uh, Tournament of Champions. Yeah. That's our, uh, our rotten potatoes on that. I would say, again, if you're going to oh. watch those, watch the first one. And I also did really want to say, if you are someone who is an anxious person by nature and has trouble mm. regulating yourself, do not watch these movies. Yeah, yeah. They're... Because I think I even told you, I was like, oh, like, I have the tools to be able to, like, handle this now. But it's just very sensory overload. It's very yeah. purposefully anxiety-inducing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so don't do that to yourself if you're not in a good headspace. And I would imagine most people who are kind in of tune with their anxiety like, be like, Caroline, why room. are you even watching I know. this? It's just, I, you know, I like to just, it's like going to the gym. I yeah, like to push, push yourself a little harder. Yeah. Feel the muscles tear. You know, you guys got a fireplace in here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is it not on? What's going on? Which one? My husband needs you to turn the fireplace on. Turn it on. <laughs> why is it that voice? I feel like it just has to be It's just a creeper that. voice. Yeah. That's fine. All right. 66 days until we depart. <laughs> <laughs> so many fun things so going on we, we hope you enjoyed this episode we always love 
uh, recording these. Uh, what do you got going on? I was just thinking, I had this thought when we were showering after the gym. And Not together, separately. Just wanted <laughs> to share, you know? Huh. Was it? Was it? <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> also, I, like, I said after the gym. Yeah. We worked out at our house, not yeah, the gym. No. Anyway, I looked at my, um, on the back of our bathroom door, I have all my jewelry hanging up and I was like, I know what I'll do to really get the ball rolling. Yeah. I'm going to go through my jewelry and get rid of my jewelry. But like now in the light of day, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> looking like, at the rest of our place, I'm like, that's so n- insignificant, but it's okay. That's what made me feel. Sometimes when you're overwhelmed by a project, yeah. you need something to get you You know going. what I'm thinking? Maybe what? by next week's podcast episode, have you'll have gone through the jewelry. We that's can give a travel small, update. Okay, travel okay. update. That is, that is a small action Tune in. and commitment that I can make. Tune in next Tune week, in folks. Next week. Will the jewelry have been gone through? You'll find out. What? You, you're getting into Fireplace Creeper, boys. Yeah, turn those fireplaces on. <laughs> Crank up the heat. <laughs> Bye. Bye.